Rusty Quill presents. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Minerva's Monkey Paw Solutions. Developing some demands but can't find your genie. Willing to tempt the fates for your fortune? Minerva's Monkey Paw Solutions will bring your wondrous wishes to reality while employing a sinister and ironic twist to your temptations. Minerva's Monkey Paw Solutions taps tempestuous contestants to deliver karma contrivance with just enough ennui for you to regret your abductious request. Great for a gift and fun at parties. Minerva's Monkey Paw Solutions. Save your regrets for tomorrow. Tonight's the night. The event of the season. The hotel is bright, lit up like a beacon. For the Wormwood revelry, everyone is dressed so fine. For a bite night of absinthe and wine, and champagne and glorious treats of confection and flesh. Tonight, deep in the Wormwood, the citizens and the spirits will mix. But what of the Red Moss, that headache for the poor burdened Winston? It was no longer a secret. It had grown up and around the outside of the entire hotel like a giant crimson sash. Winston growing more desperate. His only choice was to say it was on purpose, as a decorative addition for the ball. A giant red boa wrapped around the fabulous decolletage of the hotel. Welcome, welcome. The Red Moss was winning the war. Victor, our poor writer friend, unable to find the words for his inspiration, Haunting the halls himself, looking for a lock to his key, to his handsome mind. I'm not sure he's going to find it. Smells like he may just throw in the towel. Fred and Zuka carried down the stairs of the Duchess and in so much trouble. Will they make it out with their lives or succumb to the results of their trade? Live by the poison. Die by the poison, they say. I'm not sure Paris is up to it to save the day. That little voice in Charity's head isn't letting her off the hook, and just like sneaking out as a girl, she's got some plans for her own for Paris and the Wormwood. So we start with Sweet Cecil at the bar, uninvited himself to resign to a cocktail and gloat while he chats with Lloyd, who's always happy for the company, surrounded by the crowd at the carousel bar. Look at them, Lloyd. So fancy and important. I feel so overwhelmed. Shall I release some of this? He leaned back and draped a napkin over his eyes, feeling the crowd a bit. Ah, Lloyd. Do they have some secrets? He's going in an underground ritual. Mm, Three car accidents. 
He's going to choke. She's gone in a bath and, well, smothered by her own cat. Smothered by her own servant. Smothered in a plump couch. Hmm. He drinks himself to nothing. She has a bit too much of something. They cut themselves on a button. And they fall into machinery. Something about printer's ink. That section is old age. How boring. And that one I can't see. Hmm. Curious. Okay. I'm spent. Lloyd, enough for me. I need a little something as a pick-me-up. Hippopotamus Martini, please. Right away. Do you ever talk to the Wormwood guests, Mr. Cecil? Oh, my stars, no, Lloyd. They're far too insufferable. People are only tolerable in my head. Any reality, and it's all just so mundane and disappointing. Downstairs in the spa, Cornelia and Cooper were deep in the mud bath pool, bubbling around them with thick bubbles. They leaned their heads back, naked and covered with mud, glasses of champagne with muddy fingerprints at the edge. In between them, another set of toes popped out of the mud, and there was a low moan. Almost totally submerged, with his face covered in a washcloth, Pumble, the manservant to Madame Viola, had been sneaked out of Lavendula for the afternoon and into the mud bath. He'd been through a lot recently, and Cornelia and Cooper had practically kidnapped him to give the poor fellow a break. We'll leave him to his rest. Winston came through with a bag stuffed with moss clippings. More steam, ladies? Uh, more mud? More champagne? No, all good then? Excellent. He left the room around the corner and stopped at the doors to the athletic club. The door had been chained and a sign reading closed for cleaning hung off the chain. Funny, Winston scratched his goatee. Did I put that sign up? Another thing for my list today. Won't be able to get to that till the wee hours of the morning, I bet. Good thing the guests are starting early today. No exercise in sight for that long. After a bit of silence, Cornelia took a sip of her champagne. And without opening her eyes, she asked, I don't get why everyone says it's so haunted here. I think it's lovely. I've not been this relaxed in ages. What with the new lines put in the office and mother's troubles recently. Did you want to see a ghost? Cooper asked. No, thank you, miss, said Pumble. I do, said Cooper. What kind, though? What kinds are there? Well, there's fun ones and scary ones, I suppose. Sad ones. Oh, sure. Is there a happy ghost? I'm sure we could find one. No one would ever believe you. Now I'm going to tell you this. The rooms of the Duchess are packed with horrors, loves and losses and pleasures and terrors. Stories of the Duchess residents and ghosts. Can you tell which is which? Let's begin. First one is easy, little Mandra chasing a ball. 
She fell down the stairs and now haunts the halls. Forsyth couldn't stop eating his hair. He clogged up his throat and choked in a chair. Wilhelmina, she fell asleep in the shower and dreamt about mermaids without an umbrella. The Fiddlesteins, they stayed up all night discussing divorce. Married too young, too often the course. Not worried about them, but for their boy, Thurbert, who was a delicate sort. Really loved Sherbert. Cassian, well, he needed a good cry after he caught his boyfriend on top of a new guy. And the sweet older couple on the honeymoon suite, who did some light bondage as an anniversary treat. Tina brought a spirit board to talk with the shade. Daring carried a briefcase full of bones to broker a trade. Every year, Elizabeth visits to spend three days with just a room full of cats. Mark made shadow puppets of rabbits and bats. And Brendan, he showed up to drink himself silly. And Braxton came to quit cold turkey for Tilly. And Millicent, whose maid, borrowed her mister because she was far too fond of her husband's half-sister. She naked flirted from doors, don't you see? Couples and singles, spectacularly. It was her birthday, naughty and not some kind of regular hobby. She had a marvelous time, it was far from obscene. At the Duchess Hotel on that floor known as 13, and Philip wanted a good view to watch the Duncans set fire of his house's demise, and Frederick needed quiet to pen a play for the rogue theater's surprise. And Sarah tied up and tickled in her partner like lotion. Sheila threw the mattress on the floor for the motion. And Manfred, he alone, ordered room service for eight. Just above him, a party of blindfolds where no one is late. A magician practiced his scarf act that was sure to kill. Marion, who checked in to finish her will. Lonely Laney, who bought a Desmond device. Sheldon sat in the tub, pinching his lice. Torsten spread issues of the lantern to read. And Tiggles, who warmed up the water to bleed. And Carlsbad in his vest, smuggling gems and jewelry. And Georget dressed the room for some smutty photography. A quiet, frumpy thing got a room for the night to try on nail polish stockings to their delight. A group of curios figured out how to listen to dreams. A gang carved into the walls to hide the heist money under the beams. And Wilhelm Voyard, the housekeeper, regretting his choices. And Dexter went mad from hearing the voices. And Cuthbert kidnapped the bellhop, ran the cart between floors, made out in the elevator as he held up the doors. Deborah drank lukewarm tea to calm her desires. She didn't know why she was always attracted to liars. Benjamin buried under pillows from service. He kept calling down to hide because he's nervous. And for William, it was his very first time. While dressed in his own clock, ready to chime, pressed his pants, slicked his hair, and his palms sweaty. At his very first chance, William, poor boy, just learned not to pay in advance. Bell hops with watering cans from one floor above, sprinkled raindrops on a balcony to spurn Cupid's love. Jill smuggled in pockets of pigeons she stole from the park. Peter cut the lights at midnight to hear himself whistle alone in the dark. And then there was Clive, who believed he could fly. They put something in his shoes, so he took them off to give it a try. Now he lives on the roof, and he lost a good shoe. Have you seen it by chance? He's supposed to have two. Simon wonders if you have the time. Simon wonders if you have the time. 
Simon wonders if you have the time. And Winston the bellhop, who was always so steadfast, who fell down right on his tush, turning up his breakfast. Now he checks people in and recommends the galliard. But where's the rest of the staff? Was the job just too hard? Can you hear the band tuning for the Wormwood revelry? Just a quick warm-up with a familiar melody. All these, you imagine, they are just the start. Lovers of love and tragedy and everything in between at the Duchess Hotel, where every floor is 13. Victor had spent the morning packing. He'd opened his suitcase on his bed and thrown what little possessions he had in it. This was it. Whatever another life had in store for him, it was what it was going to be. He was going to drop that typewriter out the window and let the papers blow out with it. And he'd make his own way down. He couldn't take it anymore. He stroked asterisks on the bed as he looked out into the view, wondering what life was like when you were a definitive failure. When you said you were going to try a thing and it felt like what you were meant for, and you could definitively say you failed, there was no more trying. The visions and the voices would be locked up in his head forever. He looked down below, down on the people walking on the street, crossing the carts and the cars, and he wondered what it would be like to be one of them. It was safe as long as he was up here. Up here where it was quiet, and there was something seemingly important to do. But for who? And for what? Why couldn't he ever clearly answer that question? It didn't matter anymore. Zuko woke up to the sound of moans and repeated dull, wet thuds. Her vision was blurry, and she couldn't remember what had happened. They were at the card game. Digby was losing. Fred had a hot streak. Paris had left and not come back. Digby reached across the table, and then that's all she could remember. The room was dark. She was tied up, tied to something cold, like concrete. She could barely fit in the room. Zuka pulled her blindfold off barely. There was a strained light coming in from under the door. She heard more talking and then another series of wet thuds. More murmurs, men's voices, quite a few of them, some women too, all muffled. Someone was coming for the door. She moved her blindfold back in place and held still. The door opened and it was Digby's voice. Well, this one is the one I was talking about. Let's get her out here and we can start the show. Big hands reached down and untied Zuka, hoisted her over a broad shoulder, and then carried her out to where she could hear many voices. She was dumped down into a chair, her hands retied, her blindfold removed. It took her eyes a moment to adjust to the light. First thing she saw was Fred, tied to a chair and badly beaten. His eyes were swollen, and he had a fear in them. He wanted to say something, but hesitated. She looked around and recognized the place. It was the athletic club in the basement of the Duchess. Digby was there, as well as some other obvious other Duncan Union members. Mostly guys, a couple women. All in striped shirts and flat caps, stocky bodies with rough hands and a few missing teeth. They surrounded the boxing ring. A single light swung above it. Now, 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 Fred and Zuka, my pretties. You invited me for a game. And I'm here for friendly competition. But I'm choosing the game. Cards were fun. 
But that little box over there is going to be decided by a nice game of pugilism. The better pounder walks away with this prize. Fred already looked rough and tired. He wouldn't last long in the ring. Digby whistled and a huge tugboat of a man walked over to the ring, pulled on the ropes, and then pulled off his shirt. He was thick, heavy with a belly, but had shoulders like an ox and fists like two mallets. He took off his hat and a couple of Duncans got to work wrapping his hands. Zuka struggled with her bonds. She pulled on the chair. Digby attended to her. Ah, oh, Zuka, sorry about your feet there. I noticed your little piggies when we carried you down here. What happened there? Doesn't look like our kind of work, he laughed. We tend to just mash them into a pulp with a hammer. We don't do their cracky, twisty thing. Boy's jobs are more for the sickos, he laughed at his own joke. Digby held for a moment as there was a shadow at the club door. He watched it through the frosted glass, but his sign did the trick and they just walked off in the other direction. Now with the festivities going up upstairs, we should have plenty of time for our little sport here. And since we want to be fair about it, I'm going to say the best of three rounds. We'll do the store, of course, but probably won't need it since the winner is most likely the only one with a pulse. Now, Freddy here is good and warmed up. Davy grabbed him by his lapels. Fred stammered. No, listen, Digby, we can settle this. Oh, for sure we can. And we can do it with you spitting less blood on me, that's for sure. He wiped off his color. You know, Fred, you're not a really classy guy, are you? Based on a chat we had upstairs, it's clear to me you're offering up something's not even yours. And the fact that Paris and Zuka, the only members willing to stake you, well, the way as I sees it, this ain't actually your fight. You owe us, so you don't get a say. And I say that this old tonk here ain't gonna fight you. Wouldn't be right. I feel like, to be fair, of course, you could watch while pretty Zuka here fights for your life and that prize. Digby went to the box from the dresser and gave it a tap with his stick. Fred sputtered, no, and tried to escape. Zuka looked away, tried to wriggle her hands out. The goons came over to her, untied her and stood her up. Her feet had a deep ache and sharp stabs in her toes. She hadn't had her shot and she must have been out for hours. They started to wrap her hands for fighting. She looked over at Fred who looked terrified. I'm sorry, he mouthed before looking at the floor in shame. Zuka spat at Digby. I'm not going to fight. Oh, I think you will. They finished wrapping her hands, tripped her down to her under things, which exposed dark tattoos that wrapped around her whole body. They wrapped from her legs up her back and around her neck and down her arms. They looked nautical, like an undersea creature. Whoa, that lady is painted, Digby joked and nodded. The boys tossed Zuka under the bottom rope and she skidded on the canvas mat of the ring. The Duncans exchanged some side bets of money. One of them went over to the box and opened the top. It opened a hinge, and inside, a watery faint blue glow against his face. 
Charity Souter and Edmund Green sat at a dinner at the Mulberry House. Venison with a light sauce, toast points with berry compote, and port for dessert. Enoch sat nearby eating an egg and cress sandwich. Charity had taken to the food of Mulberry. It wasn't just the ease of having a staff for cooking, but the chef's creativity that far outpaced her own taste. It was starting to ebb into her mind how hard it might be going back to a working life in simple fare. Things had become comfortable and she had started to appreciate Edmund for his hard work, his calm nature, his small gestures of affection. He'd been quite good in keeping things light and only once in a while would remind her that the opportunity to be his wife and head of household were still open. She was, to be honest, feeling a bit guilty about taking advantage of his attention. She was feeling more guilty about the fact that she hadn't been able to stop thinking about his brother Paris. Paris, who had been in the house so briefly, but with just a few words of poetry, a look and a smile had caused her to flush like she hadn't for some time. And it was at dinner that Charity asked Edmund somewhat playfully if he had any interest in the Wormwood revelry, to which he said, Not at all, somewhat abruptly, citing too much work. But between us, Edmund knew that Paris would be there and knew exactly what he would be walking into. Paris had stolen every girl's eye since they were little. Charity was hoping she could attend with Edmund and steal a dance with Paris, but without Edmund it got tricky, especially since she was hiding an invitation to the revelry from Paris himself and had it hidden in her book, which she kept opening to sniff the smell of sandalwood. What inviting sense invite us out into nights of revelry? Will Zuka survive the fight with Tunk, or are her and Fred doomed? And where is Paris? Will Victor make it out of his comfortable trap of a hotel and into a normal life, leaving his typewriter behind? Will Cecil come out of his shell and join the party, or does he see his own demise? Will Winston conquer the Red Moss and have the Duchess ready in time? Did you enjoy the ghosts of the Duchess? Have a favorite? What would yours be? Wrap your hands and get ready for a fight. It's going to get ugly on the next episode of Celine.
Would you like a ticket to enjoy the revelry of Moon Knight's affair? Our Patreon is a place where you can see all the sordid savagery and indecent decadence of the mysteries of our fair city. Want some answers for once? Solve the mysteries and share never-before-heard stories, music, and spectacle. Come be a part of Moonlight Affair, Silent Treatment, and Selene with the other spirits again and 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 again. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.